It's Monday, June the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Minneapolis to disband its police force and Brazil's COVID-19 cover-up. First, the world in brief. The City Council of Minneapolis voted to dismantle the city's police force and build a new model of public safety in its stead. The asphyxiation of a black man by a police officer a fortnight ago was the trigger for worldwide protests against strong-arm policing and racism. Those protests, largely peaceful, continued over the weekend. There were a few isolated incidents of vandalism, including in the British city of Bristol, where a statue of Edward Colston, a 17th century slave trader, was toppled by demonstrators and thrown in a river. In a sign of unease about the direction of Donald Trump's presidency among some senior Republicans, Colin Powell, a former Secretary of State and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, endorsed Joe Biden for president in the election due this November. This weekend, Mr Biden secured enough delegates to win the Democratic nomination for the job at the party's convention later this year. OPEC and a group of other oil producers, including Russia, agreed to extend production cuts until the end of July. In April, the cartel and its allies agreed to cut oil production in May and June by 9.7 million barrels a day, equal to around 10% of global output, in an effort to prop up prices which had previously fallen to record lows. British Airways, EasyJet and Ryanair, the three biggest airlines operating in Britain, threatened legal action over Britain's new 14-day quarantine for arriving passengers, which comes into force today. The carriers said it was illogical and irrational to impose quarantine on people arriving from European Union countries that have lower rates of infection than Britain. South Korea reported more than 50 new COVID-19 infections a day over the weekend and another 38 on Monday, raising fears of a second wave of the disease in the country's densely populated capital. China also reported its first non-imported case of the virus in two weeks, an infected person on the island of Hainan off the country's southern coast. Brazil's president came under criticism after the Brazilian health ministry removed from public view on its website two months of data about the country's COVID-19 outbreak. Brazil has stopped publishing a total count of confirmed cases, which was higher than anywhere outside America, or a total death toll, which this week exceeded Italy's, nearing 36,000 by the time the figures were removed from view. And armed men in Guanajuato state opened fire on a drugs rehabilitation centre, killing 10 people. Despite lockdown measures imposed to combat the COVID-19 outbreak in Mexico, the number of murders, many of which are linked to drug gangs, remains high. Rehab centres have previously been attacked by gangs waging turf wars for control of the drug business. And now, here's today's agenda. Doors slightly ajar. New York unpauses. America's biggest city begins phase one of its reopening today. With more than 200,000 cases and 20,000 deaths, the outbreak has hit New York City hard. After a three-month lockdown, infection and death rates have fallen, and so construction and manufacturing can restart and retailers for pavement pickup only can reopen. Nevertheless, the city is still a long way from normal. Office workers will continue to toil from home. Many businesses will never reopen. Broadway's lights are still dim. The Independent Budget Office predicts it will take four years for employment to recover to pre-pandemic levels. The economy's contraction has caused sharp declines in tax revenue, which could signal spending cuts ahead. There are new worries. Over the past week, looters have ransacked department stores as well as small businesses. Most New Yorkers support the thousands who march daily in protest at police violence and racism, but worry the infection rate will surge. 
back to the bench. The MH17 trial resumes. The trial of three Russians and one Ukrainian charged in connection with the shooting down of Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 in 2014 will resume today at a court in the Netherlands. But the defendants may not notice. They remain at large and only one, Oleg Pulatov, a Russian intelligence officer, has sent lawyers to defend him. The four allegedly helped to deploy the Russian army Buck anti-aircraft missile which shot down the airliner during fighting between Ukraine and pro-Russian separatists. The defence could resurrect claims that someone else shot down the plane, long debunked by the international team that investigated the crash. But it has so far argued that Ukraine should be held responsible for failing to close its airspace. One of the accused, Leonid Karchenko, may be in jail, but not a Dutch one. The BBC reports he is being held on minor charges in the separatist city of Donetsk, perhaps in order to prevent Ukrainian agents from seizing him. After the horses have bolted, Britain's quarantine. Throughout March and April, as nearly every country put in place travel restrictions and quarantine rules, Britain's borders remained open. In June, as much of Europe starts to loosen measures, Britain remains contrarian. From today, any person arriving from outside Britain, Ireland, the Channel Islands and the Isle of Man must self-isolate for 14 days or face a £1,000, $1,270 fine. Any person, that is, except a long list of exemptions, such as those who commute across the border at least once a week. Airlines and travel firms are aghast. They argue that a blanket quarantine rule, which includes those from low-risk countries that have COVID-19 under control, will destroy their businesses. Though polls show some strong support for the measure, Britons hoping for a summer holiday abroad may not realise the rules also apply to returning natives. The Home Office promises a review in three weeks. Expect it to be declared a huge success that is no longer necessary. The Storm Ahead Italy's Economic Forecast Pity the number crunches at Italy's government statistics office, ISTAT. Their annual economic outlook due today comes amidst plenty of reasons for optimism. Last week, the European Central Bank nearly doubled its debt-buying programme. Then came Friday's encouraging American jobs figures, boosting equity markets worldwide. Last week, shares on the Milan Bourse soared by 10.9%, far outstripping Wall Street. Still, to describe Italy's prospects as challenging is an understatement. Its economy has been virtually stagnant for two decades. And though the country fared better in the first quarter than France or Spain, its government, saddled with debts of more than 135% of GDP, has spent far less on trying to inoculate the economy against the effects of COVID-19. On Friday, the Bank of Italy increased its forecast of the fall in GDP this year to 9.2%. Istat may be about to pour more cold water on investors. Perhaps they need it. Elimination Game New Zealand's battle against COVID-19 No other Western country is in the same league. Prompt border closures and strict social distancing measures have brought New Zealand down to zero active cases in its population of 5 million. Today, Jacinda Ardern's Labour government decides whether it is safe to let New Zealanders return to life as normal by lifting physical distancing measures and the last of its curbs on mass gatherings. Provided no new infections are uncovered, the country will be able to declare itself free of the virus itself in a week. Borders will take longer to reopen, but a COVID-safe travel zone with Australia is in the works, which should be a big help to the economy. Before the pandemic, tourism generated a fifth of New Zealand's foreign earnings, and Australians make up nearly half of all its visitors from abroad. Advisers drafting plans for the bi-national bubble hope that the first flights will take to the skies next month. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Frank Lloyd Wright, who was born on this day in 1867. The present is the ever-moving shadow that divides yesterday from tomorrow. In that lies hope. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.